The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 down to verse 11 together. Most of the time in Pastor Matt's message this morning, we're going to spend in verses 1 and 2. But to give some context, we need to understand what's going on here. And so we're going to read 1 down to 11 together. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. This morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and we will spend our time together in the book of Romans. Be ready to move around in the book of Romans, uh, but we'll spend all of our time together in Romans. And I might just start off with verse number 1. I think probably one of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture is Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that builds upon everything that has been written in chapters 1 through 4. I love that verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word therefore holds a lot of significance. Higher mathematics and logical thinking uses the word therefore a lot. I was growing up, I was that student in class who knew how to keep up with math, but I was not fast with it. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You sat in class. How many of you, I'm just wondering, how many of you, you were the one that was at the front. If the teacher said 7 plus 4, you were, bang, you were the first one. How many of you like that? That's not me, my goodness. I would be like, uh, 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 and then come up with the answer later on. You know, when I, I transitioned into flying, uh, I always carried a calculator with me all the time. It was glued to my clipboard. I had a calculator there. Pastor Tyler, if you remember Pastor Tyler, he would fly along with me, and many times he would laugh at me. The simple math, 2 plus 7. I'd get my calculator. 2 plus 7 equals. 
Come on, man. You've got to be able to do this math faster. I said, no, I don't trust myself on fast math. But higher mathematics, I loved it. Algebra, geometry, trigonometry, I was all about that. I got into university, had a, uh, an elective available. I took advanced algebra just for the fun of it. Had a uh, professor, he was from the USSR. If you remember those old days, young people, that was, that's Russia, old Russia. Uh, and USSR, and I remember him saying in class one day, he said, we were taught, I won't use his accent, we were taught, he had a very thick accent, by the way, we were taught that there was no God. He said, all I had to do was look at mathematics, and I knew that there is a very orderly God. Mm-hmm. Higher mathematics, I soaked it up. And when they write those big formulas on the chalkboards, I'm sure you've seen them on the movies, those great big formulas that takes up the whole chalkboard, Somewhere in the middle of it, you'll end up finding the symbols for the word therefore. Now, I've got it. I'll throw the symbol up here on the board. You might recognize it if you're familiar with those. Therefore, this is the symbol for therefore. So anytime when I'm reading in Scripture, I see, in my mind, I see this symbol. Now, this symbol helps us to understand what the word therefore means. There are building blocks on the bottom, and because of the building blocks on the bottom, you can build something on top of it. Right? All, all of us understand in order to go up, you have to have a good foundation, right? And, and so you have to have a foundation. Even our students in transition, it might take them a few times of knocking the tower over before they figure it out. But you have to have better foundation at the bottom so that you can go up. And so this, as we come into Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, there's a word right at the beginning. Therefore, we have a building blocks on the bottom that we're going to build on top of. You try to turn that upside down, it's not going to work. Therefore, so as we have these building blocks on the bottom, then we can build on top of it. It's natural. And we come into chapter 5 and verse 1. He's going to say we have a foundation, and that foundation is the gospel. Let me show it to you. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. That's the foundation. So the comma from being justified by faith, that sums up all of Romans chapter 1 to chapter 4. Being justified. We've been declared righteous by God, and that did not happen because of what we did. Because what we did was nothing. Romans 1, 18 to 3, 20. We're sinners, sinners, sinners for 64 verses. There's no way that I can ever do righteous things in my own. I need Him to declare me righteous. So He declares me righteous, and that happens by faith. What do I have to believe but the blood of Jesus and the work of Jesus on the cross? So God sent Jesus as a propitiation. That was 325. God sent Jesus as a propitiation. The gift that turns away His own wrath so that God can be both just and justifier. So God is bringing us into right relationship with Him again based on the work of Jesus on the cross. That's beautiful. So here we come into Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give this to you, let you see it. He uses, therefore, several times in the book of Romans. So, I told you we're going to look at a couple places. Look over to chapter 8 and verse 1, and you'll see it there. So, I see great big chunks of the book of Romans. If you were to put big chunks, 1 to 4 is a big chunk. 5 to 7 is a big chunk. Chapter 8 is its own chunk. 9 to 11 is another chunk. 12 to the end is another chunk. 
And so here we've just come through the first chunk, and now we're going to get a therefore as we come into chapter 5, and then you see it again in chapter 8. At the end of 5 to 7, here we have verse number 1, chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That is based on chapters 5 through 7. We will walk through those. But the good news is, even though you're a believer and you still struggle and fight against sin, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus to them who are in Christ and those who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Another one is Romans chapter 12, the beginning of that section. Chapter 12 to the end of the book is chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Just think of it this way. If you don't have the gospel and you don't have a lack of condemnation from God, you'll never be able to present your body a living sacrifice. So based on chapters 1 to 11, therefore you can present your body a living sacrifice to God. Holy and acceptable unto God. So we see this word therefore at the beginning of each new section. We're coming into chapter 5 now. You can see it in chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore... Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now as I look at verses 1 to 11, I see Jesus providing seven different things for believers. We won't walk through all seven of those today. We're only going to see the ones that are in verses 1 and 2. But I see Jesus providing for the believer three things in our section today. But overall, from verse 1 down to verse 11, there's going to be seven of those. We will take three weeks to go through verses 1 to 11. Today we're only in verses 1 and 2. Next week, 3 to 5. And the following week, we'll take verses 6 to 11. But overall, in those 11 verses, I see seven things that Jesus is providing to those who believe. Remember, we're, we've got this foundation. It's the gospel. It transforms our lives. And because of the gospel, I'm now receiving things. God's given me, through Jesus, different blessings. And we're going to see what those are. I'll just point them out to you real quickly, and then we'll walk through each one for the rest of our time together. Uh, what Jesus provides in verses 1 and 2. This is what He provides. He gives us peace with God. He gives us access to God's grace. And He gives us hope of the glory of God. I'll read those two verses again, and perhaps you'll get to see those in these two verses. Therefore, being justified by faith. That's our foundation upon which we're standing. We have, and this is received from Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And thirdly, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So these are the three things that we see. Those are all based upon that foundation building block called being justified by faith. Remember, it is not us who makes ourselves right with God, but instead it is God who declares us righteous. The same verse we use every week, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. God gave us His righteousness based on the work of Jesus at the cross. He took all of our sin and placed it on Jesus. Jesus took our sin, took the punishment, the wrath of God was laid upon Jesus in our behalf. Therefore, we are justified, and we get justified by faith. All I have to do is trust Him. Yes, sir. 
Can I allow that to sink into us for a moment this morning? All you have to do to receive the righteousness of God is trust Him. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There's no way that I could ever outweigh my bad deeds with good deeds. It never will work. And yet, He says, Come unto Me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. And here He calls us to come to Him, and He will justify us by faith. Oh, this is the grace wherein we stand. Gospel is the foundation, that building block. And then let's start walking into these upper blocks if we can. Alright, so the first one we get is peace with God. Peace with God. We get peace with God. You can see it in verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to point out that it does not say we have the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's something entirely different, and we do receive the peace of God from Jesus, but the point here is not that you got the peace of God, you got peace with God. Those are very different. Let me show you how they're different. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and mind through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's coming out of Philippians. And you're going to receive that gift, but that is a feeling. That's going on inside of your heart, the peace of God. That's only going to happen, by the way, if you're walking in the Spirit and you're following after the Lord Jesus Christ. You get the peace of God there. But this one is peace with God. You know what that is? That's the opposite of enemies against God. We got peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That was nothing that we did. It was Jesus who, as it were, reached up to heaven and grabbed the hand of God and reached down to us and grabbed the hand of man and said, I'm going to make you not enemies anymore, but instead we're going to be at peace. We are at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a walk back through Romans from chapter 1 and see what our former state was. So look back at Romans 1 and verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God's wrath abides upon us as sinners. Now come into chapter 2 and verse number 1. Perhaps some people would say, I'm not that bad. Here's chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. So perhaps you think, well, I'm not as bad as somebody else, therefore I stand a bit higher than them. And here he says, well, you think that you're a bit better because you can hide your sin better than they can. Because you're going to be just as condemned as they are. In fact, perhaps condemned more because you're doing the same thing you are saying someone else should not do. Oh, be careful. We are so lost in our sins. And in just in case, somebody might say, well, I am okay and I don't judge anybody else and I'm all right, then just come to chapter 3 and verse 10 and you'll see how many of us are righteous. This is in chapter 3 and verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, not a single one of us is right with God. Nobody. And then in verse 23, you would know this verse, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
We're born into sin. We're full of sin. We're enemies against God. But because of the Gospel and because of Jesus, we are justified by faith. We are made right with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the Gospel, we now have peace with God. Please don't make that to be some kind of a fuzzy feeling. Somebody says, oh, we have peace with God. And you just pass over that and go on with life. I want you to think for just a moment that you and I, in our sinful state, born into our sinful state and continuing to add on sin upon sin, heaping up the wrath of God, as it were, behind the dam that He holds back His anger. Think for just a moment, if you will. Think of the awesome displays of God's firepower that He has unleashed throughout history. Just think of some of them that are in the Old Testament. I think of Elijah with just a few words of a prayer. God, would you show yourself mighty right now before those who would worship the false god, Baal. And fire came out of heaven, consumed the sacrifice and the altar upon which the sacrifice was, and consumed all the water that was in the trench around the sacrifice. This in just one moment as God says, let me show you how much firepower I've got. And then another time as the nation of Israel was fleeing from the Egyptian army, they came up to the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea for a twofold purpose. One, so that He could allow a path for His people to escape. And second, so He could in His might and in His power show how He can destroy the strongest, mightiest nation on earth. As He opened up the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his mighty army chased into the Red Sea. Oh, what a moment of stupidity. And the Scriptures say that the angels came and let go of the wheels along the sides of the chariots. That's God playing with somebody before he crushes them. Did you ever see a cat play with a mouse before it's done? I think that's what God was doing with Pharaoh. Here, come on into the Red Sea. I'll take your wheels off. This would be a really good time for you to turn around and go back. Oh no. His firepower and his unleashing of his wrath is Without sway, you will not hold back the mighty arm of God. Just think of the display of His mighty power just in the fact of His creation as we look at the earth. And for generations and thousands of years, man stood upon the earth and thought, oh, this world is flat. That's how large it is, by the way. It's so large that you cannot stand and look and see the curvature of the earth. And yet He created that and created all the other planets, and created the solar system, and the Milky Way galaxy, and the millions of other galaxies, and stretched them out to show off His mighty power. Here it is from Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12. This is what Jeremiah writes about God. He says, God has made the earth by His power, and He has established the... He has established the world by His wisdom and He has stretched out the heavens by His discretion. By His discretion, oh, His mighty display of power as He stretches out the universe. And this is the very one who cares enough to pay attention to what's going on inside of your heart. Be careful, friend. Being at peace with God is very important. You and I were enemies against God. You can see it in Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 10. It says, For if 
When we were what? Church, you help me. When we were enemies. Don't think, oh, God came along and saw, saw me and He just thought, well, I like this one, so I'll take Him up. John 3.16 applies to me in some way as if I were a lost puppy dog. No, you're not a lost, lost puppy dog before salvation. You are enemies against God. That's where we are. That's where we find ourselves on the wrong side. So to be at peace with God is a mighty important thing. And do you realize that peace after war is usually fragile? So just think through the many wars that have happened throughout the centuries and millennia. Just think of all the different wars that have happened and when the war comes to an end because one side bombed the living daylights out of the other side. That peace is fragile. Here's what I mean by that. Every year, except the last two years because of COVID, every year I make the trip with my friend Phil to go to Bomana War Cemetery on Anzac Day. I go because I love Phil and I care about him. Usually he stands there with his wife and the kids with him, and I usually stand with my wife behind him. And every year at the Anzac Day morning sunrise ceremony, people come and lay wreaths at the ceremony. Schools bring wreaths. Companies bring wreaths. Embassies bring wreaths. And there's a special kind of hush that comes across the audience when the Japanese ambassador lays the wreath. And every time it happens, I always think about it. Here is an ambassador who has right in his own diplomatic way, and he's a well-respected man, but in this moment, there's a memory that 76 years ago, we were defeated by the mighty firepower of everybody else. And he lays a wreath there as a memorial to what had happened in the years gone by. And if you can just think for just a moment... 1945, as the Japanese signed this treaty to end that Second World War, can you just imagine if perhaps maybe three years or five years or ten years or fifteen years later, those Japanese people decided within their heart, you know what, this whole peace treaty thing can go out the window and we're going to start the war back up. Do you know how fast they would get squashed by the rest of the world? Because peace after a war... It's fragile. People are paying attention. I'll give an example of it. My grandfather fought here in the Pacific. My grandfather fought during World War II. He was only 18, 19 years old when he fought. And for the rest of his life, he held a lot of anger against the Japanese people. That's fragile. I remember asking him, Grandpa, tell me about what happened in the war. And I remember him telling me, as a little boy, he said, Son, there's some things you just don't talk about. Terrible things happened in the war. And for the rest of his life, I promise you, if anything had stirred up, he'd have been the first one to sign up to go right back into war and put an end to it. You see, when you come to the end of the war, peace is fragile. You know why? Because one side destroyed the other side. We pulled out all the firepower and it happens in every war around the world. You pull out all your firepower and you flex your muscles as big as you can. Just even think in the tribal wars that we have had in our own nation here. 
Our side will flex its muscles and show its spears, and we will do everything we can to make your side bow down before us. That's the way war is. But do you realize that that's not the way that God won the war against us? Oh, He did not stand before us and say, Oh, I dangle you over hell. That's not how He did it. Instead, He said, I love you so much that I'm going to send my own Son from glory. I'm going to send Jesus to go to the cross and take all of my wrath. Instead of me pouring out my wrath on you so that you will bow the knee, instead I'm going to give you my Son. Do you realize that the peace that's on the backside of that is not fragile at all? In fact, it's held together by the love that He has displayed and the love that has been given by the Son. And oh, that draws out of our hearts a love for a Father. Oh, we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a family kind of peace. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I don't mean the kind of peace where... You and your neighbor were yelling at each other at one time and perhaps you threw bottles at their yard and they threw bottles at your yard and you guys didn't get along and then one day you shook hands and you said, enough, we're sorry, we're going to put these things behind us. Maybe you had a kai-kai and then for the rest of your lives you don't talk to each other. You might as well call it peace, but it's not really peace, right? And you're waiting there with fragility just in case one bottle comes over because you've got ten ready to go back at him. No, this is the kind of family peace that I'm talking about where you say, hey, I know you've done wrong to me, but come and sit at my table and I'll feed you. And come, I'm going I'm to inherit you into my family so that when I die, I'm going to pass on the inheritance to you. That's the kind of peace we got with the Lord Jesus Christ making us at peace with God. Oh, this is a blessed peace. And then let's see the next thing that he says that he provides for us. It's found in verse number 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So let me break those words down. By whom, that by whom goes back to Jesus. I'll read verse 1 and, and, and add that in. Maybe it'll let you see it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access. So by whom is going back to Jesus. So because of Jesus, we have peace with God, and we also have access. Notice the word also, so it's not just peace with God, but peace with God and also access into the grace wherein we stand. Oh, this is a beautiful statement here. We have access to God's grace, and that access comes Through Jesus. Jesus is the one that gives us the access into God's grace. So remember, God's grace is overflowing and it's amazing and it's abundant. And yet, without Jesus, you have no access to it. You don't get to work your way in and God goes, well, yep, I like you now, I'll take you in and here's some grace. No, 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 no. And He cannot, remember Romans 3.25, without Jesus being the propitiation, He cannot be just and justifier. So He cannot just Blanket, yes, I just forgive you. No, the punishment for sin must be paid, and it went on Jesus. So through Jesus, we have access into this grace, and then notice it's the grace wherein we stand. Oh, you know what standing means, right? Standing means I'm planted. I'm not having to slip and slide and hang on. It's not a slippery slope that I'm worried about. I'm going to fall out of His grace. He's brought us into the grace. It's Jesus that did it. And He brings us in. And we stand. And here we are. We're firmly planted in the grace of God because of Jesus. We've gotten that access because oh, Jesus provides many things for those who believe. Notice we didn't talk about this stuff back in chapters 1-4 to because we had to understand the gospel. 
And we got the gospel, and that was that foundation building blocks that we received. And now we get to see, as a result of those things, your life is going to be changed. We've got peace with God. By the way, that's going to cause me to live differently. I've got access into the grace wherein we stand. Now I've got the grace of God flowing into my life and through my life. That's going to change the way I live. Now I'm going to be inclined, because I'm standing in the grace of God, I'm going to be inclined to be showing grace to others. You see, the gospel is going to transform our lives. So instead of being enemies against God, we are now sons receiving His grace. Now let me just show you a quick glimpse into latter part of chapter 5. Look down to verse 21, and you'll get to see what happens because of grace being in our lives. This is Romans 5, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death. In other words, the Days before you were a believer, before you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, before you got saved, sin reigned. R-E-I-G-N, not R-A-I-N. Not reign like comes out of the sky, but reigned like a king over your life. And I think every one of us could understand this concept. That before I put my trust in Christ, it doesn't matter how hard I try, I cannot stop sinning. It just keeps happening. Therefore, as sin used to reign unto death, now, here we are, verse 21, the end of the verse, even so, in the same way, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, every phrase is pregnant with meaning. Through Jesus, we get this grace, we're standing in it, and now because of this grace, there's going to be a righteousness that's being developed in our life, and it's going to allow grace to reign in my life. Grace will be the king over my life instead of sin, which used to be my king. So here, Jesus gives us access. Jesus gives us peace with God. Jesus gives us access into the grace wherein we stand. And then number three, hope of the glory of God. Hope of the glory of God. Let's see it in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2 again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Uh, There's several big words there. Rejoice, hope, glory, God. I'll work my way backwards through those. So we've got the glory of God. We'll start with the glory of God and our response to it. So before salvation, you remember Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. His glory is too majestic. It is tied directly to His righteousness. He is perfect and He is holy. You might remember, holy, holy, holy. And His righteousness and His glory is there so perfect above us. We have nothing to do but to hide from Him. You remember Romans 3.23? All have sinned, and we've come short. Now, Romans 1.18, His wrath is revealed upon all who do unrighteousness. All of us are under His wrath, and that's tied directly to His holiness and tied directly to His glory. Because of the glory of God, I fall short, and I sit hiding underneath Him. Isaiah did that. Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died... I was brought into the throne room and there he was. His train filled the temple. And you remember what Isaiah did? He hid himself. He, down on the ground in the fetal position, woe is me. 
I'm a man of unclean lips. This is his response. He wants to hide from the glory of God. Do you realize that Jesus changes all of that? Jesus changes it. We do not need to hide from the glory of God. Instead, we have hope of the glory of God. That's the phrase that we see in in chapter 5 and verse 1. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So if you're a believer, there's coming a day when God will change you completely. That's the hope of the glory of God. So I see this in two ways. One is, I see His glory, and instead of me having to hide from it, I now hope in it. But I also hope in it in a different way. Let me use some words we've used in the past. When you get saved, you get justification. The rest of your life, you have sanctification. As you are progressively becoming more and more like Christ, and then comes the day when you receive glorification. So I'll give those three words real quickly again. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. So there's coming a day when we will be made, and here's a key phrase, we will be made like Him. We're going to be glorified. So I have hope of the glory of God. You say, Pastor, what's that look like? That's a really good question. I don't know. Neither do the writers in the Scriptures. In fact, I'll give you a couple of thoughts. To Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says that we will shine like the sun. And yet, in John, He says, I will not give my glory to another. He's very clear about these things. Then He says in Romans 8 and verse 27 that He is conforming us to those He did predestinate. Then He also will conform to the image of His Son. I think 1 John chapter 3 gives us a good insight to this. He says it like this, Beloved, 1 John 3 verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. That's the best answer I can come up with. John gave the same answer. What's it going to look like when we are glorified? What's it going to look like? Because I can't have God's glory, but He's going to glorify me, so what's that going to look like? I don't know. John said the same thing. There's coming a day when we will be glorified, and, and we don't know, what, it does not appear what we shall be like, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, so we will hope in the glory of God. In the meantime, I might just back up mentally here. In the meantime, What's going to happen? Oh, you're going to run into suffering and you're going to run into problems in this life. By the way, that will be a part of your sanctification, but it will never compare to the glory that God will bring in your life later. I'll share with you Romans 8, verses 17 and 18. When we get to Romans 8, in about 100 years, we'll unpack this. This is Romans 8 and verse 17. If children, then you're heirs. Remember, we've been brought into a family kind of peace with God. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, I'm going to pause right there. We'll go to verse 18 in just a second. Let me pause right there. We will cover this more at length next week because verses 3 to 5 is going to talk about our our sufferings now. I'm telling you, the gospel transforms your life. Next week we'll see verses 3 to 5 and it ties in with this verse. But he says here that if you suffer with Christ... There's coming a day you'll be glorified with Him. So just hang on. So verse 18, he continues this thought, For I reckon, in other words, the best I can come up with. Let me put these pieces together. I want you to think them through. He says, For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So it doesn't matter how bad it is in this life. 
through my sanctification, as God allows this problem to come in, it will help me. I'm being shaped. Perhaps, brothers and sisters, you can take that as a thing to hold on to, a promise of God, that right now while I'm working through this suffering, it's nothing to be compared to the glory that's coming. And so there will be a day when He will glorify us. And what will it look like? We don't know. But I promise you, when you get to the glory, oh, it will make the suffering seem as a small thing. We rejoice. See these words in chapter 5 and verse 2. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We've seen the glory of God. We do not have to hide from it. The hope of the glory. We're looking forward to the day when that will be revealed in us. And then we rejoice. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is the same word, by the way, the word rejoice here is the same word that's used earlier, chapter 3, it's the same word for boast. And I hope that if you've been with us through the book of Romans, the word boast, when you hear the word boast, you go, wait, we're not supposed to boast, right? We have no space for boasting in ourselves, but we also learn from 1 Corinthians, if any man boasts, let him boast in the Lord Jesus. And so here, as I see this rejoicing, boasting in the hope of the glory of God, you know what we're doing? We're lifting it up. We're putting it out there for people to see. So I'm rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. So here's glory of God. No longer do I have to hide from it, but instead I'm going to put it out there for people to see. I'm looking forward to the day when I am glorified. I'm looking forward to the day when I no longer have to put up with a sinful body, and I'm glorified, and I'm right with Him. Everything's perfect for eternity. I'm looking forward to that, and I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to boast, and I'm going to lift it up. I'm going to let people know about it. Let me give you an illustration, a very earthly illustration. As a pilot, I love air shows. Now, every year from May until September in the U.S., there are air shows all over. They put on air shows and demonstrations and all of that sort of thing. And it's, as a pilot, I loved them. I take my family. My family hates them. My wife and kids, they care less. So go see another airplane. I like to walk around, and they've got airplanes parked there. And I walk up, talk to the pilot, look inside the airplane. How's he do this? What do they do? What, what kind of avionics? That's the stuff that I like to see. They could care less about that. So they'll go and sit and watch the airplanes fly by. Now, to me, I could care less about the airplanes flying by. Because I figured by the very nature that they're airplanes, they can fly. It's just a given. They're going to fly. So I'm not going to stand there and watch them fly by. Woo, yay. But that's what they do when they're bored and they can't walk around with me. But there was one airplane flyby that caught my attention and helps me to understand this idea of rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. We were standing. It was thunder over Louisville. Air show, we're standing at the river and we're watching as aircraft are flying by. Fast ones, slow ones, big ones, little ones. And one came by and it caught everybody's attention. First, nobody was expecting it because he came so fast. It was an F-16 fighter jet. And he came so quickly that nobody expected him. There was no announcement. He was really loud. And he came from the right-hand side came right to the middle in front of us, and he turned and he went vertical, and he went straight up. When he turned and went vertical, started going straight up, he kicked on the afterburners, and if you've ever seen the movie Top Gun, you know what I'm talking about. The afterburners came shooting out the bottom. 
That single engine took that one airplane and he went straight up. And he went straight up so fast and so loud. And here's the amazing thing. He kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And the higher he went, the louder the crowd got. So there were thousands of people here. We all got shocked out of our minds when he showed up. And then when he turned and he went straight up, the higher he went, the louder the crowd cheered. Like everybody, we've seen airplanes go by, big deal. We saw this one coming, flex its muscles as it went straight up. And it went so high we couldn't see it. And by the time it went to where we couldn't see it, the crowd was just about as loud as that jet engine was when he was at the ground. I'm telling you, everybody was cheering and clapping their hands and whistling. And I was like, wow, I even got goosebumps. This is amazing. Look at that mighty display of firepower. Now tell you why everybody cheered. Because that jet's on our side. Right? Because there's a moment of pride as you look at that jet come and turn and go vertical. You look at him and you go, that one's on my side. We don't have to worry about him. We'll wave at him and we'll get all excited and we'll cheer him on. But let's change the scenario for just one little moment. Let's say perhaps if that was an enemy jet that just flew in the midst of us. People would be trampling over people to get out of there as fast as they possibly could. You know why? Because you don't cheer on the enemy. You don't rejoice in the hope of the glory of the enemy. You rejoice in the hope of the glory of the one who is on your side, who has much more power than you could ever display. And he is on our side, brothers and sisters. Or should I say, we're now brought into his family. Oh, this is something to be hoping for gloriously hoping for. So in Jesus, we have received these spiritual blessings. We have peace with God. We have access into His grace. and stand in that access. We can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let me close with four very practical, very short helps. Perhaps you can write these down. Take them home with you. Four things to help us understand what Jesus has done for us in practical ways that we can live. Number one, or letter A, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see the wording in verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I love the wording there, because he has said that we have peace with God, we have access, and then he says, and rejoice. So it can be both, we have it, and it can also be, here's a command, do it. So how do we take this and apply it to our lives? Well, if you're not already rejoicing, rejoice. What's that look like? That doesn't mean you go back to the house and you sit at the table and you're getting ready to have a meal. Oh, Lord, thank you for the hope of the glory of God. No, no, no. If you're going to boast of it, you find people who don't know about it. So that you can boast of the glory of God. Look at what God has done for us. He's made us right with Him because He sent His Son Jesus to take my sins on the cross. Oh, let's talk about His glory. So I'll take the gospel to the nations. I'll take the gospel to those who do not know of Him. That's me rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Letter B. I will allow God to reveal His glory through me. It's another way to put this into practice. Namely, the way that I see that is in suffering. 
We'll see that, by the way, in verses 3 to 5. Next week, we'll unpack that fully. God allows suffering and things to go wrong in our lives. And Him doing that is Him showing His glory to the world, and He's doing it through me. And so, I'm going to allow Him to do that. The opposite of that is for me to get bitter when things go wrong. You're not going to have any help there. But instead, when something goes wrong, I'm going to allow Him. It's for my sanctification. It will make it. The day will come. We said this, Romans 8, 17 and 18. I reckon that the glory that will be revealed will be so much greater. And so in this meantime, I'm going to allow Him to show His glory through me. Thirdly, I'm going to stand in His grace. Stand in His grace. So He's given us access into the grace wherein we stand. So how do I put this to use? I stand. Don't slip around. I don't let sin come back in and try to rein me. No, I stand here. I'm going to stand. I'm not going to let the world pull me aside. I'm going to stand. So stand in His grace. It's, you've been given access. Now step into the grace and stand there. And lastly, enjoy Enjoy the peace of God. Enjoy it. Maybe you forgot that you've been adopted. I wonder if you've ever seen a child that was like this, someone, child that's been abused, and then the child gets adopted into a family, and there's a transition that happens where that child is always afraid to the day that the child always trusts the family. I don't know if you've seen that happen. It's an amazing transition. Remember that you're now at peace with God. And you've been adopted into the family. And if I could use this phrase, and this is a phrase that I've had written at the top of Romans chapter 5 for many years in my Bible. Here's the phrase. God is for you. He's for you. And you're at peace with God. So step into His peace. Father, thank You for the gospel upon which we can stand. Thank You for Jesus putting us at peace with God. Thank You for the grace wherein we can stand. And Lord, we will rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, Lord, as we close out our service, Father, I pray that You would draw our hearts to You in a moment of silence as we think upon our own salvation, whether we've put our trust in You or not. And so this morning, before I close, I'd like to ask you to remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Perhaps this morning you're here, you've listened to the preaching of the Word of God, and perhaps the Gospel has made sense to you for the first time. Maybe you're here for the first Sunday, or maybe you're here for the hundredth Sunday, but finally the Gospel's making sense. And perhaps this morning you say, within your heart you would think, Pastor, I want to put my trust in Jesus because I want to have peace with God. And maybe if that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? If you raise your hand, I'll have someone come to you and they'll take you out and the two of you can go sit quietly somewhere private and they'll show you from the Scriptures how you can put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're like that this morning, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, could I talk to somebody? I'd like to put my trust in Jesus. Anybody like that? Just raise your hand. We'll have somebody come and sit with you. Anybody like that? There you go. Just keep that hand up. Somebody coming to you right now. Is there another?
Is there another? Malong? Malong? Is there another? Pastor, I'd like to put my trust in Jesus. I want to be right with God. Anybody else? Father, we thank you for the grace wherein we stand. Thank you for Jesus going to the cross to be the propitiation, the gift that turned away the wrath of God so that we could be made right with you and you could be just and justifier. Oh God, the gospel has depth foundation upon which we stand. So Lord, I pray that we would rest and enjoy peace with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 709 1000. Again, it's 709 1000.